ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Process Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Schultz, and today we're going to be talking about a blockbuster trade in the NBA, how that trade affects the Sixers, the Sixers' overtime win last night against Miami, and games coming up in the future. This has been probably one of the craziest weeks in the NBA to date. We have COVID taking players out. We have one of the most monumental trades and one of the biggest super teams coming to fruition here in Brooklyn. What does this mean for the Sixers? What does this mean for the shape of the NBA? All that and more in today's podcast. Let's start with the meat of the podcast in the Nets trade because this is so huge that I have to talk about it. I mean, this is why I'm doing a podcast right now is because of this freaking trade that just happened. So I'm just going to read it out to you. Fresh off Twitter, full trade involves four teams. So just keep in mind that it involves four teams. So the Rockets will be receiving Victor Oladipo from the Indiana Pacers, Dante Exum, uh, Kurooks, in Brooklyn, three Brooklyn first rounders in 2022, 2024, and 2026. A Milwaukee first, which I guess the Nets had somehow. I don't think the Bucks are too involved in this trade um, in 2022, unprotected. And then four Brooklyn first round swaps. I mean, this is crazy. Not only have the you know, Nets giving away their first round picks for, you know, the next three years. They've allowed the freaking Rockets to do pick swaps. That's, I mean, listen, if you think you're Brooklyn, I mean, there is some logic with the pick swap saying, okay, well, obviously the Rockets aren't going to be as strong without Harden and we're going to be really good with Harden. So they wouldn't want to swap the pick anyway. But you're looking at these pick swaps all the way out in 2025, 2027, when James Harden is going to be 36, 30. Like James Harden is not a young player. He's 31. So whether or not he's reached his prime or it's still there, we don't know. But there's one thing for sure is that James Harden, as of this moment in time, is not averaging as many points in the NBA as he did in the previous three seasons. And that doesn't, you know, really reflect his game because he's probably trying less because he's trying to get traded. And that is another crazy aspect of this is that one player just by willing it basically stopped trying, gained weight, didn't come to the preseason and is now all of a sudden getting traded just because he doesn't want to be in Houston. And this is, I mean, this is a crazy development, but you think that Houston trades one of their stars. It's obvious that they're going to trade their other. And what did they get? I mean, they got a really successful future. I mean, they basically just almost matched the net, uh, the freaking Thunder's assets with like one trade. And that, that to me is just insane how they've basically, I mean, they've literally milked everything out of this James Harden trade that they could. I mean, James Harden probably said Philly is my desired destination in this thing. I think that literally came out that he wanted to go to Philly more, but Philly was probably unwilling to give away all these assets as I would be if I were Philly. I mean, I think they made the smart choice by not making this trade because look at the amount of things that the Nets had to give up. It's crazy. I mean, they gave away three pick swaps, which we don't know whether like that will be used, whether it won't be used. We're assuming it will be used. And that's huge. That's the difference between getting, you know, a, a, you know, a lottery pick player and a, you know, okay, you know, bench player. Like there's a huge difference in that. And add to that three first rounders from Brooklyn. I mean, there's no guarantee that Brooklyn's even going to have like a great draft pick, but still three first rounders. That's significant. That can tank your team for years. And I guess they're thinking, hey, we're going to go with Kyrie and KD and Harden long-term. I guess this is a long-term plan to have three stars. Not to mention, 
Who knows how these three guys are going to play with each other? They all like to have the ball in their hands, certainly. And if one of them gets injured, I mean, that's probably the net season right there. I mean, if one of them doesn't decide to play like Kyrie is doing or somebody gets injured, I mean, these guys are not young. They're not like Simmons. They're not 24. They're, you know, 30 and, you know, 27 and whatever they might be. I mean, Kyrie Irving, I'll look right now. Kyrie Irving, 28. So I said 27, so I was kind of right. Off by a year. Durant, 32. Harden is 31. So, I mean, if you think all of these things are important, they are because there's only so many good years that this team can give you. I mean, I, I, I know what you're thinking. Like LeBron, you know, he's 36. He's playing well. That's because he's LeBron. I still don't think, you know, Harden, especially with how he's gained weight, is going to like progress as the same MVP caliber player that he has been. If this is Harden, you know, of five years ago, I mean, this trade would obviously make sense because he's going to put up the numbers, but I just don't think he's going to match sort of the same level of play that he has in the past. But enough about that. Let's let's talk about who, who gets what here because I, I stopped with what the Rockets got. So the Rockets got um, a bunch of picks. Victor Oladipo, Dante Exums, and Kurt Rooks. And Kurt Rooks is young. Kurt Rooks is like 23. So again, he could have progressed into a player. Um, and then Victor Oladipo. Now here's the interesting thing about Victor Oladipo is that he's had, a, you know, he's had an amazing career. He's coming off injury. I think he's still, you know, considered a star on the Indiana Pacers, but he's clearly not the same player that he was before, which is why I kind of want to go. And the Nets only get James Harden. They don't get any other players. They just get James Harden. Uh, which makes sense because financially the guy's contract is massive. So in order to pick that up, you're going to have to give away a lot. And they did. Pacers getting Karis LeVert and a second rounder. Cavs getting Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince. Okay, that's a lot to unpack. So I think the first thing I can think about this trade, I mean, obviously with just the ridiculous amount of assets that Brooklyn gave up, the next thing that came to my mind is, oh my God, the Pacers are going to be a really lethal NBA team. Karis LeVert is the exact type of player that the Indiana Pacers want. Historically, you know, the Indiana Pacers, they're not really a team that searches for stars. They're a team that likes to have a very balanced lineup, be very solid at every position, and, you know, play hard. They don't like to center their team around stars, you know, which is why they're often such a deadly force because people overlook them all the time. They don't have James Harden, but they have a lot of guys who can put up James Harden numbers in any given game just with a good night. And that's a crazy thing to think about. The Pacers are actually one of the most lethal teams in the NBA right now without anybody even knowing it. This is why. Think back to like, I don't know, 2018, 19, right? The Pacers, they were in the upper realms of the East. Like they were a three, four seed. Not to mention they were just a four seed. They were literally just a four seed in the last playoffs, and nobody is talking about them. The Heat were a five seed. The Pacers had a better regular season than the championship Heat. That's saying something because that shows you how good the Pacers actually are. Keep in mind, they traded Bogdanovich away at the exact right moment. They got rid of Bogdanovich. They didn't re-sign him. They didn't pay him the money. They didn't do they didn't give Bogdanovich the, you know, money he wanted. And he's now in Utah having a you know okay career but he's not a star and then you turn around and you make this trade you've given up Victor Oladipo who's had his struggle with injury who's probably not going to return to form I mean in my opinion I think Victor Oladipo was probably the weak link and you replace him with not only somebody that plays his position in Karis LeVert 
but one of the most underrated players in the league. You've taken one of the most overrated players in the league and swapped him with the most underrated player in the league. In my opinion, obviously this opinion, I think Victor Oladipo could be a really good player in Houston. He's a, a dang good baller. Like he can play. But Karis LeVert is so good. I mean, Karis LeVert can really ball. And we've seen it in the bubble and we continue to see it. This guy could average like 20 points easily, easily on the Pacers. Add to that. Sabonis, Warren, Brogdon. Do I need to say more? Turner. The Pacers have a stacked lineup. The only Achilles heel on the Pacers is not a lot of bench depth. But that's fine because they have such a good, well-balanced starting unit. I mean, look at that. You've gone and got a high-scoring guard, possibly one of the biggest needs on the team for the Indiana Pacers. I'm really liking what they could do. I'm really liking what they could do. And I think they're going to be a top three team in the East by the team this is already said and done. They already are one of the top three teams in the East right now as of where it stands. And they've just gone and replaced Oladipo with Levert. And you know what? Add a second round pick on top of that, because why not? How did they finagle this? I mean, the Pacers really did just finagle a good deal. The Cavs. The Cavs just got Jared Allen, Torian Prince. I mean, that's a not an insignificant pickup for them either. And the Cavs were looking really good too. So the Cavs could be dangerous. So I think the real... At first glance, the the Nets are the beneficiary because they've assembled a super team. But they're not, though. I think the people that won this trade are the side actors, the Pacers and the Cavs. I think they're the guys that are going to come up. They've already had shockingly good seasons. Add to this a little bit of finagled trade work, and they've got themselves an improved roster. I mean, the Rockets are sitting pretty, too, because now they have all these picks. So it's like a huge rebuild for the Rockets all of a sudden. They truly did milk every asset out of James Harden that they possibly could. I find this trade so entertaining. Obviously, I've just ranted about it for the past nine minutes. But I think what you can learn from this is that, you know, a star desperate to leave his team shakes things up in a big way. And I don't even think that the Rockets or the Nets are going to come out of this the winners. I think the side actors are the winners here, the Pacers and the Cavs, because they picked up legit assets coming from the Nets. And the Nets, without those assets, are going to suffer. Harden, there's no telling if he's going to even be as good as the numbers in the past three years suggest. He's on a new team. He's in a new environment. He's not going to handle the ball as much. Things like that. He's got to lose weight. I mean, he's got to get back in shape. Like These are things that are legit considerations. Is he going to gel with the big egos on the team? You never know. Now, how does this affect our 76ers? I think the biggest way that this affects us is that we didn't just give away a bunch of first-round picks for a guy who's 31. And, you know, we probably would have had to lose Simmons in the deal. So I'm thinking in terms of future assets, I know we haven't drafted well in the past, but if you look at anything from this past, like, you know, two drafts, it's that we got Matisse Thibel and Tyrese Maxey, who are very different players, but both very good players. And we kind of got them in that, like, 21-22 slot. They're not top guys, but a first round pick that's like 20 is so much, so much more valuable than we even realize. I mean, if you draft well and you do your scouting and you know what gels in the team, like not only do you get an up and coming player, you get an up and um, an up and coming player that fits your play style. You get to choose who that's going to be. And obviously, yeah, if you have a later pick, you're not going to get the most desirable guy in the draft, but you can pick up a steal. And that's what we've seen in Tyrese Maxey. So those picks that all went to the Houston Rockets from the Nets, that's not insignificant. We're looking at a Nets team that could be hugely depleted. What if one of those stars decides that they're not happy and decides to leave? Which, by the way, all three stars have left their franchises. They could easily turn around and say, Nets, we're done with you. We're leaving. We're not part of this super team anymore. 
But then the question remains, who can take the Nets out? Who's going to beat the Nets in the East now that they have all these guys in the league? Well, I legitimately believe that the Sixers still can, and here's why. The only defense against Embiid was Jared Allen, and he's gone now. So DeAndre Jordan, who's you know more of a dunker than a defender really in his own right, has now a tougher time guarding Embiid. And then the backup center has a tougher time guarding Dwight Howard. You can put any guards out there, but then you still have Ben Simmons, who can guard the perimeter just about as well as any other guard in the league. So then what does that mean for the Nets? Are they going to have success against us? They beat us with their second unit, but now a lot of that second unit's gone. So how do you deal with that? It's a crazy, crazy scenario that we found ourselves in. I think the Sixers still can beat this Nets, even with Harden. Even with Harden, I think the Sixers still stand at a legitimate chance to make a run at the playoffs. And clearly, if the management didn't trade anybody and didn't decide to make a big move, they think that they've already fixed their problem. There are going to be analysts out there that say, hmm, the Sixers are almost there, but not quite there at making a championship run. Well, the front office clearly doesn't think so. They think, okay, we've got a legitimate chance at winning with the guys that we have, and we're not going to switch it up. I think it's a good, I think it's a really good, you know, move on the part of the Sixers not making this trade. Enough with the trade. We know where Harden is. We know what's been lost and what's been gained. We got to talk about this Heat win real quick. I was really, really, you know, enticed by this game. It was such a good game. You know, there were moments I wanted to pull my hair out. There were moments I wanted to scream for joy. It was a real emotional roller coaster, but the Sixers pulled it out. And the man who did it was Joel Embiid. If there's anything we've learned from this, Joel Embiid can single-handedly take down a team. Even if that team is, you know, whatever, COVID depleted, even if our team is COVID depleted. Embiid is a reliable scorer now, playing at a different level than he was even last year. Embiid is at the best level of his career, even in the MVP race. So the question becomes, how do we make sure Embiid is the focal point of the offense without hurting people like Simmons or other playmakers? And that's the question that really remains in front of us. Simmons had an off night against Miami last night. Arguably coming back from injury makes him a little bit less likely to kind of come naturally in the fold again. But Embiid and Simmons have been playing with each other for years. He shouldn't have this difficult of a time scoring the basketball, even with another superstar out there on the court. So we'll have to see. I'm liking the duo of Maxi and Embiid, though. I think this is a great pick and roll offense that needs to be exploited more. I'm liking Simmons still. I think Simmons has a lot of room to grow, and I'm glad that we didn't trade him, and I'm glad that we didn't trade Tyrese Maxey because if we had Harden right now, Tyrese Maxey would have already been out the door, and that's a huge asset for us that we're not trying to lose. Even in my own words right now, you can hear that I said it, I think Maxey has the potential to be in the Rookie of the Year finalists. Not the winner, but I think he can be in the top three rookies of the year, especially with the way he's been scoring the basketball. Dropped 39 points as a rookie. Lots of exciting things. This is going to change the makeup of the NBA. This is not the same NBA as it was yesterday. That did not mean to rhyme, but it did. I think the Sixers still have as good of a chance. I think they shouldn't worry about what's going on around them, take care of their business, and the rest of the success is going to come. That's all for today. A lot of exciting stuff that's happening. If you have any you know, desire to be on the show, you want to come on, talk about the Sixers, call in, talk about the Sixers, whatever you want to do, please contact me. Be happy to have some guests on the show. Love talking Sixers. Keeping up with the podcast these next couple weeks as they take on some new opponents. 
COVID is still doing what COVID's going to do. We're still down players. It doesn't matter. We're going to come out and we're going to play the best basketball that we know how to play. For this and more, this has been the Processed Podcast. Mm-hmm.